Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. What is orange wine? I know nothing about wine. So. Well, don't worry. I'm very interested to know about your nothing. What is orange wine? Because that sounds really weird and good. Is it like Fanta? <laughs> Do you mean Fanta? Yes. Crazy sweet and <laughs> carbonated. And <laughs> My dad used to say this was wine and it's orange. So, you know, it's, it's Fanta medicine. You ever heard of high C? <laughs> Hello. I'm Minnie Driver. Welcome to Mini Questions Season 2. I've always loved Proust's questionnaire. It was originally a 19th century parlor game where players would ask each other 35 questions aimed at revealing the other player's true nature. It's just the scientific method, really. In asking different people the same set of questions, you can make observations about which truths appear to be universal. I love this discipline. And it made me wonder... What if these questions were just the jumping off point? What greater depths would be revealed if I asked these questions as conversation starters with thought leaders and trailblazers across all these different disciplines? So I adapted Proust's questionnaire and I wrote my own seven questions that I personally think are pertinent to a person's story. They are, when and where were you happiest? What is the quality you like least about yourself? What relationship, real or fictionalized, defines love for you? What question would you most like answered? What person, place, or experience has shaped you the most? What would be your last meal? And can you tell me something in your life that's grown out of a personal disaster? And I've gathered a group of really remarkable people, ones that I am honored and humbled to have had the chance to engage with. 
You may not hear their answers to all seven of these questions. We've whittled it down to which questions felt closest to their experience or the most surprising or created the most fertile ground to connect. My guest today is musician and songwriter Madison Cunningham. At 25, she is one of the youngest guests I've had on my show, but you wouldn't know it from the wisdom and sort of old soulness that radiates not only through the lyrics she writes, but also in the way she speaks. Whether she's performing solo or sharing the stage with some of folk music's biggest names, Madison's musical talents are really not to be missed. I love hearing a songwriter describe the world in their own words. And it was delightful hearing Madison's perspective on my questions. I really hope you enjoy our lovely conversation. What person, place or experience most altered your life? I would say music has been the thing. I think touring the country and the world was the thing that very much challenged my worldview and my line of thinking because I was immediately met with, or I should say my opinions were met with experiences. And that changes everything. You can have thoughts about the way you think life should be or the way you've known it to be. But then when you like actually experience life and open yourself up to other people's experiences, your opinions on things drastically change. And I, I remember my the first tour I ever did, I was opening for Chris Thiele and the Punch Brothers. And we both had a really similar background, like both grew up in the church. We were both homeschooled the whole way through. And I don't know many people who had a similar story like that. We just were talking on the bus and I just was asking questions. And I just will never forget one thing that he said to me. He's like, you're 21 now. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, yeah, things are going to change for you. <laughs> And he wasn't arrogant or like condescending or anything. It just was like he was coming from a place of sincerely sympathizing with me and going or empathizing maybe and being like, I know exactly what you're saying Mm -hmm. and I understand it completely and why you're asking these things. But also like it's going to change for you. I just know it. And he was right. Like, and I don't even remember exactly what I asked him, but I remember the place that it was coming from. And I, I was very just fearful. I just I just was nervous and scared and I felt I was experiencing imposter syndrome too. So I always say music in a way saved my life and I think made me the person that I am because it just it, it immediately challenged me and caused me to open my eyes and touch the world in a different way. Did you write different music before music became your, I don't want to use the word escape, but maybe your evolution out of that that first part of your life? Did you write music while you were still within it and then did you write your way out of it? Yes. And yes. (laughs) And what was that music like? Like, do you have recordings of it? Like, what was it like? I feel like I'm still very much that person. I always had a curiosity of like breaking musical rules. I really, really enjoyed that and just had a curiosity around that. But in terms of like writing, my lyrics were very stale and they, they, they didn't show anything. They just told everything. I have a bit of embarrassment around that phase of writing. There was a whole record that I did that had all of the songs on it, which has since been taken down. And again, like musically, I'm very proud of that record. But thematically and lyrically, I just felt that I was showing my age. I think I wrote my way out of it. Like I had a friend who had sent me a book. Have you ever read the book Writing Better Lyrics by Pat Pattinson? No. God, I want to read it. Yeah, you should. It's within the first three chapters, you get his point, And like, that's just enough 
to change you and to inspire you. And the rest of the book's great too. But he goes on this whole tangent about object writing and sort of how to write from your senses. Hmm. And that really teaches you how to write in metaphor and to incorporate imagery. And that phase, I was probably 18 when I read that book. And I just remember that my writing started to take a turn because I would think about those exercises. And his whole thing is like you write on an object using your senses. You write every day, but it can only be for 10 minutes. So when the timer goes off, you have to be done. It doesn't matter if your thought was finished or not. And it's all about teaching the brain to dive deeper in a shorter amount of time. So just when I did that and kind of went full force with that exercise, I really feel like that's when I started to write songs that I was proud of and could like get behind now. (laughs) How great. That's really cool. I want to check that book out. It's incredible. I mean, from the first page or like just reading the way that a writer writes. It's so inspiring. I think you totally dig it. What question would you most like answered? I think this is really on the nose, but I would love to know if there was an afterlife or not. (laughs) Like, I don't know if everybody feels that way. But for me, it's like that would maybe help things in terms of like the way that we grieve. It's like, will we see that person again? I don't know. Did you have a spiritual upbringing? I totally did. I did. Yeah. And so much of my young adult life has been shedding all of that, Hmm. but also coming back to it in different ways that I can't sort of help. Like, I guess that question was planted in me as a kid, but there was always an answer for it. There was always like, yes, there is. There is the hope of that. And now I, I still have that question, but don't feel like I have an answer. And there's a mystery to that. There's a mystery that I've become totally comfortable with, but I would like to know. Yeah, I would too. I would too. I mean, I think it's really tricky because when you're a kid and you ask questions, like regardless of whether one came from a spiritual household or not, you ask questions. And I know as a parent, you endeavor to answer that question, no matter what it is. You try and find an answer. Yeah. I'm so aware of how little I've gone. I don't know. Like I felt like it was such a cop out and wanted to offer something up that I think it's really interesting that kids in a way have to shed the certainty of their parents' answers. Yeah. And maybe those questions go back to being questions and you don't have an answer for them. Totally. It's such a funny thing. Like things I thought I was sure about, I realized it was just my parents gave me that answer because they were my parents. I feel like all these big questions happened late at night. It's like, dark outside and things start to feel a little bit scarier and you ask these questions that are going to be in your head, you know, or in your dreams or whatever to your parents. And I'm like, how much of it was them putting on a brave face and filling the silence and wanting to be a pillar for me and say, yeah, this is this is the answer to this. Probably 90 (laughs) percent, you know, like, yeah, being an adult now and knowing how much I say, I don't know. That was also their way of loving me. They wanted to give an answer to help me probably just be able to rest my head. Go to bed, fall asleep. A hundred percent. Like when you see a little child's face going, what happens when you die? Oh, like you really, you know, I've leaned pretty hard into clouds and heaven. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I did a lot of that face with this little face staring up from the dinosaur duvet. My God. What happens when you die, mom? Oh, darling. Oh, it's lovely. Don't worry. It's so lovely. <laughs> you know, and he never questioned me. And then like, obviously now, you know, we have these conversations and it's really, it's interesting, but I want to know that too. I also feel like maybe there's a reason that we just don't. Yeah. Because life wouldn't resonate in the way that it did if we were like, oh, it'll be fine. I don't give a fuck. It's fine. 
there's so many people that I grew up with who act like that because of the certitude in what they think and know to be true, where it's like... What, there is a heaven and that the afterlife is where it's at and that don't sweat it in this life if it's not going your way. Yeah. The way that they treat people as a result of that, it's like, to me, or the earth or whatever it is, it's like, how is this okay to you? Seeing that, observing that, that started to just make me kind of like question, you know, it's like we are existing now. Why are we pretending like we understand that it's going to be taken care of later or that we shouldn't be thoughtful about these issues that are happening now or that we shouldn't be attentive to our neighbors or whatever. It's like, it just felt like such an oxymoron to me to like claim to be a Christian and to then move through the world that way. But you know, that's a whole other conversation. But I feel now, like in my life, when the words I don't know come out of my mouth, I feel a sense of relief. Hmm. It's like releasing this pressure that I have to maybe feel like I need the answers for everything and to just be like, actually, that's not for me to decide. It's not for me to say. And that's okay. Yeah, it's, it is liberating. Do you find that with songwriting? I found that a little bit where if I was stuck and I genuinely didn't know what that verse was or what that chorus or what I was supposed to be doing. I would say out loud, I don't know. And then I would go and do something else. And it was invariably, not necessarily always, but I would say about 90% of the time in doing that other thing, whether it was going for a walk, going for a surf, going to the supermarket, that the idea or the link, the bridge would come or the idea of the lyric. I think there's massive freedom and I don't know. It's the key maybe. And there's sometimes answers like you can't guarantee that but like in the action of saying I don't know and then going for a surf or going on a walk some of those say they're like as simple as lyrical questions sort themselves out where you're like oh that's the end of the verse all of my favorite writers have such strict regiments they don't only prioritize writing they prioritize not writing as well and that to them is like a part of it you know yeah, that's brilliant. And that is so true. And I think even like with writing anything, or maybe even with challenges as a whole, the idea of leave it alone, like step away from that and allow the sort of now of discovery as opposed to just staying in the certainty of I don't know. I think it can actually be incredibly liberating. That's really interesting. It's in the other stuff. The creativity is in the other stuff as well as the sitting there with the guitar or at the piano. Exactly. Yeah. To use an audio example, it's like some of the, the biggest sounds are made um, from the lightest touch. Mm. You can use that in writing. It's like we want to put like our heavy hand on it because we want product. We want things to be finished and instant when it's like sometimes we just have to like lighten up on our touch of the song and let it just grow. I feel like songs are like living things that if you give it the right amount of water and mm. sunlight and attention, they will they will grow. I was writing over the pandemic with Gary Lightbody, who's a really old friend of mine and a beautiful songwriter. And we were sending each other, you know, so he'd literally just, he'd just sit there with the guitar and like, he'd figure something out. Then he'd send it to me and then I'd play it. And then I'd change some of the lyrics and I'd send it back to him. But it's like each time. And then maybe we'd have like voice notes in between where he'd be like, I don't know about that. What did you mean by that lyric? Like, what did you mean about that linking us back into the thing? And it was so funny being in his, I don't know. <laughs> and then 
like playing around in that and then vice versa. It was so beautiful because that it was an exchange of, I don't know what this is, mm-hmm. or I think it might be this, but I'm not attached to it. So you can change it. And we wrote like that. And there's something really cool about that because it doesn't have to be anything. And you're right. It does create itself. It's the statue inside the block of marble, the Michelangelo idea. It reveals itself. You just sort of chip away. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like also in the exercise, what's so beautiful about that when you're writing with someone else is like, you can't afford to be too precious or egotistical about when your ideas are questioned. It's really actually just a question of wanting to understand. It's not like someone put it once where it was like, I try not to take criticism personally because it's not me that they're criticizing. It's just an idea, Mm. which is like, we don't do a good job, or at least I don't, of separating myself from an idea. Because if someone doesn't like it, I'm like, then I can't produce anything else. It's I'm the problem. And it's like, that's not true. You're just the conduit for an idea and don't like let yourself become too like entangled with it. But I think what's so beautiful about that exercise is like you guys were allowing yourself to ask, like, I don't know what this means. And you could either be like, oh, it means this or you could return it with. I don't know, but it's malleable. Yeah. Also practicing having that thrown at you. Like, I don't like that. And it's your idea. And and to have to go, (laughs) whoa, whoa. That doesn't feel nice, but okay. (laughs) And then you have to go through that process of going, well, so what if that were true? So, So now if I look at this song or this piece of writing from the point of view of this person that I love and value, they don't like this thing. Okay, so what is that? And then like going and examining it and going, oh, maybe I was just attached to it because it was the only idea that I had and I wanted to send him something back to show that I can do this like at the same level as you, which is ridiculous because he's been writing songs and many more songs than I ever have. (laughs) It was interesting like interrogating the ego of someone I respect doesn't like my idea. And then you couldn't take it personally because they weren't there. You just had to kind of figure it out and write another idea and then go, okay, well, that also works and is maybe beautiful. Totally. I think it's cool writing in lots of different ways. And it also creates an opportunity for you to respond in two different ways. Either you like are offended by it and you shut down and then no ideas come or you allow it to be this like moment of faith where you're like, oh, I can do more. I can do better. And I will. Exactly. And maybe it will be better. Or maybe it's also just like, there are, sh- there are loads of ideas. It's cool. You don't just have one idea. I always get very attached to that. Same. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, And of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. 
If you want to do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Where and when were you happiest? I loved this question because it was a little bit sad to me that it took me so long to think about it. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, am I not happy on a day-to-day basis? I don't know. But I think that I, it's kind of a two-part answer if that's cool. Yeah. During the pandemic, some of our best friends and I and my husband, we all drove up to Montana. And there's this one moment where we, where we drove up to Glacier and we, we blew up all these inner tubes and we started at this uh, stream head and just floated down the stream. And there's this one section where the water was so blue and so deep, you couldn't see the bottom. And I remember just like instinctively grabbing onto a rock, throwing my inner tube and then just diving as far as I could. Wow. And I, I like, I never do that. I never I, like have a fear of water, but I just like felt fearless and happy. And also like literally in that moment, no one could reach me. No one could Hmm. ask me questions. It just, I felt completely liberated and I felt like just a person and like all the other things that you sort of let make up who you are felt unimportant in that moment. Just from being in nature and from shutting off my phone, things as simple as that, that made me feel truly happy. God, I've so can imagine that. I mean, I'm sitting here in London and I dream of the water in all forms, particularly the ocean all the time. And I just so saw that pool of water. (laughs) I love a physical trigger of happiness. It's often other people that around the circumstances, like just in asking this question, trigger happiness. Yeah. Or moments from childhood. But I love that idea of nature triggering real true happiness because I feel that is absolutely 100% my happiest place in the world is out in the ocean surfing, being able to see my son on the beach. Totally. And it's so innocent. It's like the moments where it just feels so uncomplicated for a second. 
you're like, oh, all that matters right now is just like the way the water feels and catching this wave or whatever. You know, it's like I don't sadly go to those moments often enough or I don't make space for them because there's just so much, you know, day to day. My friend calls them techno realities, which are just these little things that you get lost in that sometimes cause you to forget what's important and what you love about your life. It's so weird because like, I was just having this conversation with my boyfriend the other day. I was like, what is this chasm between the self-awareness of things that will make our lives better and the actual doing of them? Yeah. You know how that feels. I know how that feels. And yet actually going and seeking it out is almost like we slump into that techno reality or we slump into it going, well, this is just life. This is just what it is. I've got to sit in front of my computer for five hours and answer emails or do this thing. I think we've got to fight harder to carve out that other space because I know we know that's where the creativity and the freedom comes from. Well, and the people that I think who display that the most are like in sort of business terms are always deemed as like flaky <laughs> or just like non-responsive, but they're actually the most tapped in. And that's not the case for every flaky person, quote unquote, but those creatives that don't answer emails or don't, it's like, I know that they're somewhere creating or they're on a walk or they're doing the things that matter. And it's like, who cares about the rest? I know emails matter. Like if I didn't answer my email, this wouldn't have happened today. So that's important to me, you know, but also it's just like, I, I think you're right. Instinctively, we know where to return to, but we don't. It's always like last resort or something. Yeah. I think, again, it is this like insisting on drawing the lines of engagement with life you know, of going, okay, well, it's going to be this for this amount of time. But I'm just talking from my, I suppose, from my own perspective, which is one gets lazy and then you don't realize that you've sort of been bludgeoned by all of the social contracts and all of the stuff. But it doesn't really take much. That's what's great. Like I can just walk up to the park from where I live in London. And that's where my mother used to say, that's where the city breathes. Hmm. And it's true. Like you go there and these ancient trees and it's pretty wonderful, but you have to go do it, right? You have to do it. No one is going to tell you that you need that break except for yourself. Like I've, I've learned that a lot where it's like, you know, if it weren't for me at times putting my foot down, I don't think anyone would tell me, hey, you should stop or like you should take a break. Like it's like there's a machine that's running and no one really wants to shut it down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's true. Particularly if you're generating income for them. <laughs> I've also found that it's like, you know, I was like, yeah, no, I'm, you're right. I got to do that too. Yeah. And I mean, it's also attached to morals too, where I'm like, oh my God, all these people are relying on me. I wouldn't do anyone wrong that way. And then it's like, there is a certain point of honesty that you reach where you're like, but the way that I feel now isn't helping anyone really, you know, like I, I have to, I have to succumb to something. In your life, can you tell me about something that has grown out of a personal disaster? Mm -hmm. This is another one of those questions that I thought about for a couple of days. I did my research and I went and listened to this podcast beforehand. And that one got me because I thought I'm 25 at the moment. And there's the potential that some of my worst personal disasters are ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're so not wrong. <laughs> Which is like dark. No, it's great. And it's really true. <laughs> You can confirm you're coming at me from 25 years, literally at 25 years older than you. Oh my God. No, it's going to be great. It's going to be great because shit's going to grow out of it. But unfortunately, this is the gift that keeps on giving. Like <laughs> you don't stop having personal disasters. Like it's just, you know, you start keeping a tally. It's a relief to me in a certain way though, because the more that I've talked to people who are 
older than me or who have just lived more life, the idea of like, oh, it, it just kind of stays hard makes me feel like there's nothing more that I should be doing to make it easier. It's like, oh, okay, good. That This isn't on me. This is just life coming at me. But I would say the most recent thing that I can name, it was the experience of making the album that just came out on September 9th. It, it was so deeply difficult for me, I think, because I just felt so disconnected from myself and from the process. I just was like paralyzed, I think, from pressure. And again, so much of it, I think, was I was responsible for. So much of the pressure was I, I was putting on myself unduly, you know. But from my label and from from management, too, it was just like, this has to be like really remarkable work. Otherwise, who knows, in this fragile place that the industry was in, and it's like the one time that I felt like everybody who was on the inside couldn't speak for how it would look or what it would be. All they could say was, it just has to be amazing. And again, that's that's not me faulting anyone. It's just I was also making this, writing this in 2020. So it was already a disaster. Hmm. Yeah, I think that was the scariest thing to me. I felt like I was like a little foosball on a foos table that like anything that anyone said could have like just shot me in the other direction. So I felt like my compass was gone. So the whole time to me, that felt like a disaster. And trying to make music from that place, I just I like re-recorded songs so many times because it just didn't feel right. I just felt like I was reaching. All that to say, as that was kind of happening, my grandma died, who I was really close to. And, you know, grief tends to do that thing, which I learned because that was the first person who I was ever close to that I lost. Grief does this thing that gives you this hyper clarity, even if it's just for a short time where you're like, oh, literally only these two things matter. That's all I can give importance to. And for me, it was like family and love (laughs) and loving people well. And that was it. And like music being out of the equation there just was a relief for a minute because I was like, I've been putting so much pressure on this and on myself. And it's turned into this thing that I'm so afraid to look at in the eye. And what was so beautiful about that is there was a song that I wrote about her. It's called Life According to Rachel that came out of that. And it felt like that sort of purity of thought, love and family sort of came through the music. And what was so cool about it is like I released it thinking this is such a specific song about my grandmother and losing her, like, I think it's just going to be for me. And so many people have been able to attach their story and their life through that song, which has just been like so overwhelming and mind blowing to me. And again, it's like one of those things that I think it was really just because there was like no ego around a song like that. There was no room to try and be impressive in the music. It was just like confessional. It talks about the guilt that you feel when you lose someone that you didn't do enough or, you know, all those things that you deal with. So yeah, I think, and obviously the record is finished (laughs) and I'm proud of it. But that was one of those moments where I was like, how do I avoid going through that again (laughs) Hmm. in my life? Even though I see such good that, that came out of it. But you know, sometimes you come across these situations where you're like, there is literally no way around this, but through. And so you just kind of strap in and (laughs) hope for the best. That's so amazing. And I'm so glad that you, I'm not glad you lost your grandmother, but to experience the clarity and the clarifying nature of grief is, it's an extraordinary privilege. And it is a really beautiful, strange moment in a person's life. And to be able to be creative, to be able to use that and harness that, because that really, to me, is what that is. It's harnessing that energy and turning it into something else. But I'll tell you something that my dad said to me when I was 
heartbroken over this guy that I loved so much and really, I mean, I'm actually must have been your age. And I thought that I was going to marry him and I loved him and he'd just broken up with me and I'd stayed up all night and I'd been smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee and I was sitting outside our house <sighs> and my dad was going through this phase of, I think I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again because it's pertinent. <laughs> And my dad went through this phase where he would go out jogging in the morning and it lasted for like three weeks, but it was during this time. He came out with his towel around his neck and he was sort of jogging and he had his toweling headband on. And he was like, he was like, oh, have you been up all night? And I was like, yeah, and I'm so unhappy. I'm so sad. I've been up all night just crying and smoking and drinking coffee. And he was like, over a chap, is it? And I was like, yes, the love of my life. And my dad was like, do you want me to tell you something that you're not going to want to hear? And I was like, well, I mean, not really, but okay. <laughs> and he was like, you're going to feel this way about someone else. <laughs> oh, so I will say to you, Madison, you are going to feel this way about other records. However, you are also going to feel that it's easy and beautiful and simple in the way that maybe you love your husband. You're, you have that relationship. Yeah. It's all of it. And it will be all of it if we're lucky hundreds of times over. But I understand the brutality of being in that moment where it's just so painful and the process has just been really, really difficult. And even though you're proud of the thing that comes out at the end, it's gnarly. And then, you know, there'll be that experience again. I'm sure I hope you're going to write so many more records and you'll, I'm sure, have it for maybe other different reasons. You know, you'll have kids running around and you won't be able to fucking focus and it'll be like I'm losing my mind and I've got to finish this record <laughs> yeah yeah totally this goes back again to kind of what we said at the beginning it's like you know noticing when it's hard and taking steps to kind of alleviate that and sometimes you can't and you just have to go through it being hard someone said to me during that time and a similar thing that your dad said but she kind of was like you know the beauty of this is she goes it's just gonna get harder and I was like I don't see beauty in that but she was saying like the reality is and where you can find beauty also is that you're going to lose more people that you love this is the beginning but it's also the beginning of more clarity and love in your life and that can feel morbid like a morbid idea but grief is such a human thing mm -hmm. it's such a human idea and it's it's things that we don't love to talk about but I find it so important, whether that be, you know, grieving the loss of a relationship or like actually lo losing someone, it all has a place. And it's sadly inevitable. Like, I guess sometimes I'm like, there's no romantic way to really view this. It's just sad. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah. But that's also okay. Yeah, it's also okay. Exactly. Sometimes it is, it is just sad and it is just hard and that's okay and like we get through it you get back to the glacier and the inner tube yes bp added more than 70 billion dollars to the u.s economy last year by making investments from coast to coast investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in california and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
this is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. So what quality do you like least about yourself? Oh, man. Uh, probably how non-confrontational I am. I <laughs> I run from it at every corner. And I think there's this desire in me to be diplomatic and a peacemaker, and that's a good quality. But the unhealth of it is when it's like avoiding things purely because they're hard and uncomfortable, not because they're bad. If that makes sense. It's like some confrontation is is necessary and good. And I hate to see the way that like my non-confrontational side will possibly hurt somebody. So I work, I work on that. I try to. I'm not good with the hard conversations. There's also this deep fear in myself that I have that I don't know how to articulate something well, especially when nervous. Huh. It's weird. I mean, I'm a, I'm a songwriter. I deal with lyrics, love lyrics, but I have time to sort through that. But when I'm face to face with someone and there's conflict or something. And I always feel this immense pressure that I don't have what it takes to actually like solve it in that moment. I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if like there's something in my childhood or I know my dad is very non-confrontational and not to blame him for my own qualities, but you know, it's like sometimes you inherit those, those traits from your parents. <laughs> yeah, you do. It's what's it called? It's called epigenetics. It's like when the emotional stuff that you inherit. I didn't know that name. That's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Blame dad. <laughs> <laughs> I said one time to a friend, I was like, how long can I blame my parents for things? And they're like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe don't blame them for things. Just maybe take responsibility for as much as you can. And then it's like a really delicate balance. I know it is. I'm always asking my son, I'm like, is this damaging you? Is this damaging you? How about this? Is this damaging you? What about this? Wait, hold on. 
let me just stop crying. Is this damaging you? (laughs) (laughs) The poor kid, like honestly, I've just like, listen, I will be able to recommend you a good therapist. I think our parents do. They gave us all these things that are wonderful and all these things that are terrible because that's also the gift, I guess. Yeah, right. I guess so. I mean, the gift of being able to <laughs> to question yourself and everything, you know, I love that <laughs> gift. Um, but I feel like that must be hard as a parent in turn to, to then like to go, I know there's going to be a point in time where I'm going to hurt you. Is that now? Yeah. Like, have I done it yet? You know, that must be like you're holding your breath. <laughs> exactly. And unfortunately, it's unavoidable. Like you are going to do that. And again, it does seem to come around to self-awareness that like, as with anything, the minute one can identify that you've done something that is difficult for another person to metabolize, calling it out and saying, I know I did this and I'm really sorry, or I did this and it's because of this or whatever it is. I do think that kind of mitigation helps. Interesting that you're a songwriter and that you, I mean, I think that's, I think it's really cool. I wonder if that's just like, in addition to the sort of being rarely creative, that's also a way of being able to, to work through that and deal with it and go, no, you know, I'm going to, I can write about it and I can articulate it. I can articulate it actually really, really well and put it to music. (laughs) Right. Well, yeah, I guess I guess those fears are always at the beginning of writing songs, too. Yeah. I always have this uh, hesitation or this worry that I'm going to forget how to do it or not going to be able to do it in a way that will mean anything to anyone or that anyone can understand, you know, because I think I love ambiguity. I, it's, I find it very sexy. I'm, I love people who are very mysterious. And there's the part of me that just wants that to be what my music is. And then there's another half of me that's like, but I really want to be understood. Yeah. Like I want people to know where I'm coming from and to get the picture of me so they can hear me when I speak, you know, it's a funny balance. That's so funny. Yeah. I always really wanted to be mysterious, but like, nah, that ship sailed. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a whole other lifetime. But I know, I know exactly what you mean about, I think it's really good to be able to articulate stuff. I think that also speaks to the creative process with everything. Anyone who's creative, like the minute you, when you're beginning something, you just have absolutely no idea how you're going to do it again. Like, how are you going to do this? How is it going to happen? How is this song going to be written? This book going to be written? This play, movie, TV show be made? Like, it's mysterious. That is mysterious. Yeah. 100% the actual art of songwriting will forever be mysterious. It's like, it's unattainable. If we all knew where it began and where it ended, we would just stay in those places. But we don't. Exactly. (laughs) It's constantly moving. So what relationship, real or fictionalized, defines love for you? I feel like the people in my life who have defined love for me are the ones who have loved me through every phase of my life um, and liked me even. And I would say my, my sister, I'm the oldest of five girls. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's it's sometimes I don't realize how crazy that is until I see a picture of all five of us together. And I'm like, this is a lot of kids. <laughs> but my younger sister and I, we've always been inseparable since I saw her when I was two years old and she was just born, like we always have had a bond. And she's just one of those people where it's like, I always kind of test her and bring things that I think this is too ugly for anyone to hear. I'm just going to tell you. And she never bats an eye. She's always just like, oh yeah, I have those same thoughts. And I feel like she has shown me love in ways that so many of my friendships and people that I've leaned on have failed to. And maybe it's a blood related thing, but I don't know. She's just kind of one of those people for me that I lean on and know that I'll be seen by kind of no matter what. 
My husband is also that person for me. He, uh, this is such a rare thing and not everybody's story, but I've known him since I was 13. We met then and, you know, we, it was never romantic. We were always just really, really good friends. And he was always one of those people for me that I thought it doesn't get better than Austin as far as character goes. He's the coolest person I know or the best person I know. I don't know if I thought he was the coolest at the time. That became apparent later. He just was kind of one of those people that was just sort of a linchpin in my life. Someone who just saw me from age 13 to now, which is a long span of time and and how many turns a person can sort of take. We ended up dating when he was a junior in college. I was a couple years younger than him. I didn't go to college, but I moved to LA and decided to pursue music. And the endeavor of that was so much more intense than I expected. And it's definitely tested me in so many ways as a person for better and for worse. And I think he's kind of been there and seen all of it, but still has like just been there to kind of scoop me up, to hold me kind of at the end of the day and has never like his love hasn't wavered in the midst of all of that. So do you think that being seen, because you said that about your sister and this, and about your husband, like, is that really important? I mean, obviously it's really important. That's not what I meant. I actually meant, do you think that that is sort of extends into the part of the crux of why you do what you do? Is that notion of reflection and visibility? Maybe in a subconscious way it is. Like, it's funny, as a songwriter, I've always said, like, I don't know if I have anything to say. And then sometimes that'll change where you're like, oh, I do actually, there's a song here. There's a statement that I want to make. Um, But I go in and out of phases and feeling like I want to be seen in that way, Hmm. in a public way. Yeah. And times where I really, really want to hide. And that probably fluctuates with the level of hardship that comes with it. You know, it's like the more responsibility you have, the more you crave the denial of it. That's at least been my experience. But I think just in my in my personal life, yeah, being seen is the most important thing to me, even if that means someone is seeing the worst parts of me. I want them in on that. I want them to know that. Mm, That's really cool. I like that. Madison, thank you so much. It's been so great. I really appreciate your time and all your thoughts. Thank you so much. Thank you, Minnie. This was just the the honor of a lifetime. So thanks for having me. You're very, very welcome. You can find Madison's album, Revealer, out now, wherever you get your tunes. And give the song Life According to Rachel, the song she told us about today, the one about her grandmother, an extra spin. Mini Questions is hosted and written by me, Mini Driver. Supervising producer, Aaron Kaufman. Producer, Morgan Lavoie. Research assistant, Marissa Brown. Original music, Sorry Baby, by Mini Driver. Additional music by Aaron Kaufman. Executive produced by me, Mini Driver. Special thanks to Jim Nicolay, Will Pearson, Addison O'Day, Lisa Castella and Anique Oppenheim at WKPR, Dela Pescador, Kate Driver and Jason Weinberg, and for constantly solicited tech support, Henry Driver. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. 
Equal housing opportunity. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you, because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 